let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Good evening, folks. Uh, a Thursday night babble, and it's an old school uh, babble screen for some of our older listeners. Uh, myself and Steve are here. Hello, Stephen. Good evening. Uh, Johnny can't make it tonight. He, he uh, has a family engagement, so he's not involved. Um, and obviously, then it's only no, numerous no two of us anyway. But Cousin Mod will be back next week. And just for Cousin Mod, we, we all send you big love and big kisses, and we'll see you soon. Um, we're going to go rogue tonight, Stephen. Sounds good to me. Yeah, Breton, had, Cousin Mod usually looks after the Thursday night babble and the script for it and different things. And because he's not on, and he'd already posted what was going to happen, but he's not here. And it's, I don't want to cover some of his topics either um, without him. So we're just going to go rogue. And Breton can't stop us because by the time Breton knows, this will already be recorded. And he'll be listening to this tomorrow morning. So, ha! Um, <laughs> we'll just talk about the football, about life, different things, probably about American sports. We're just going to roll with it for an hour here. So strap in and enjoy yourselves, folks. We were chatting beforehand uh steve just offer about um you know like the babble and what we would want to do and different things and um i was saying to you the how like you know I, so if anyone know i used to freelance with bbc sport and i loved it loved everyone i work with it's brilliant um but uh part of my problem is that you're you're too constrained you're too restricted and i'd want to sort of go off my own tangent and we were just talking about it and how you know but people you might know or whatever might feel the same and different things and how you want your media organizations, how you want your people to portray yourself. And it is kind of like, do you even, do you even, do you even watch the news? Do you, do you sit down and watch the news at night time? I don't. And you know what? It's funny because I was actually watching it today. I was watching RT news at lunchtime today, which is something I don't normally do because normally I, I, the way I work, uh, in my day job, I normally take from one thirty to two thirty because I'm collecting my eldest child from school and stuff like that. So I try. I'm usually working at one o'clock, but the one o'clock news was on in, uh, as I was downstairs this morning or this afternoon, and it got to the sports section, and they started reporting on Liverpool's win in the Champions League last night, and I just thought to myself, who? And they were reporting it as if it was news, and it's like, who has got to one p.m. the day after? Uh, a Champions round of Champions League round of group games and doesn't know the results. Who, 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 who <laughs> of the people who care about the result will have gotten to one o'clock the next day? Like, and I was just thinking to myself, God, it's such a, it's such an outdated format, like news reports and things like that. Like, uh, or, uh, particularly around sport, because so much of it has happened so far in advance of when you're actually seeing it. Even like if you watch the nine o'clock news, the late news. Like obviously the BBC has the news at ten, but in in, in the south, like the nine o'clock news is the late news. Yeah, yeah. The Champions League games aren't finished when they're reporting the sports things, and it's just it's such a weird medium when all of our information is so instant now. Like 
you and I are in the group and both to you know privately in our own chats or whatever like the majority of the news we share are tweets like yeah the vast majority of the news we share are tweets some news articles some videos maybe from youtube or or other like instagram or whatever but how how rarely do we share like a link to the bbc or a link to rte um and i think that's kind of telling as well and that's not to say there's not good work being done because there absolutely is i yeah, know there is. loads of journalists in rte in particular who are brilliant at their job but state-run news agencies by their very nature are just hampered that bit more even in the sports section um than you need you need to look at the gea and what happened with like tyrone and you know banning anyone from tyrone talking to rte because they felt like an rte journalist had slighted them or whatever like you probably don't see that happen with you know if the athletics are covering or uh, GAA or whatever like that, do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. there also, that's the downside of it as well, is that when you work for one of those big institutional um, media outlets, there's a weight of expectation on your work as well, which is probably unfair because you don't represent that organization as every Twitter profile says, you represent your own views, but at the same time you do absolutely represent them. So it's a, it is an interesting one. I have, like I have certain journalists that I'll read or listen to or or watch, and like you'll know this because I usually send you them. Like Ken Early's is one, mm-hmm. um, obviously in the Irish Times because Ken will say it how it is. Like he he will. I know he's he probably annoyed for people, but he doesn't he doesn't care. Like and he he will say what he thinks about certain football things are going on. And uh, even I remember Ken first came to notice from me during the Suarez Evra. Uh, incident because he was so vocal on it, and he was like he was brilliant on it because he was being so vocal and he was calling it out what he what he saw, what he thought was wrong, what he saw as the incident, and that's when he came to promise. Another one, and I know some people maybe aren't huge fans of him, but another one is Paul Kimmage. Uh, for some of the things he's been writing about and got involved in, people like this here, you know, Malky Clerk, and I think is very good. Um, but my problem is. I know this is the Thursday night battle for football, but it, it like I find the news, and it's not the people involved, it's not the journalists at all. But I find the news boring because it is too scripted. It's too, um, as you said, pampered, watered down. You know, I'm not saying I want a newsreader to come out and call like Boris Johnson some profanity or something. I'm not <laughs> saying that, but you just get the feeling all the time that you're just watching someone saying something they don't believe is right themselves. You don't, I don't think over here, I don't know what it's like because I don't watch RT loads, um, RT, RT, or RT news loads. I don't know what it's like in, in, in the South views, but up here you just find it so watered down, so restricted. I would sometimes want someone to say, how they feel on on certain aspects, you know themselves, but that's where you fall in that trap. That's probably why I don't like I I I've loved doing freelance stuff with BBC, but I I, I don't think myself I'll, I'll be back doing it. But not because of the because oh, I want to stay with Finn and do things with the family, obviously. But as a professional and a full time career, I just couldn't see myself being tied to someone like that because I know and you're the same. I couldn't be restricted. Yeah, that's like, 
one of the things I I, <clears throat> I loved about working for the 42 and, and, and what was it there, seven years in total, like nobody, they edited in my work in terms of like making sure it was legally sound and making sure it was grammatically sound, which was often a challenge because, you know, uh, as a lot of like, it, it's funny, a, a lot of writers aren't necessarily great with like the basics of writing, such as spelling and, uh, and grammar. Um, but what you're what I suppose you are good at is getting your message across and getting you know setting the scene and, and, and things like that and that's what they pay you for ultimately I think but one of the things that the thing I loved most about working for the force two was with Adrian and Niall and my editors there like there was no there was no hey whoa maybe don't say that maybe you know you we can't go down that route or whatever like there was if I could back it up with facts if I could back it up with enough evidence then I was allowed to say it and write about it and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, and then I think that's the only, like, there are many reasons I got out with journalism, sports journalism in particular. Um, you know, having a small kid as he was at the time and, you know, having to work every weekend and most evenings, it's a challenge. Like, it really is a challenge. And, like, it is a... It was my dream job. I loved every second. But I got the Super Bowls. I got the Champions League finals. Like it, it was amazing. But at the same time, like eventually, you know, like you find yourself going, okay, so uh, I'd I'd much rather be playing, you know, or going bringing my my son training this weekend than I would going to watch. Uh, nil nil draw in the you know League of Ireland or the Irish League or whatever like that. So eventually yeah. it starts, it does start knowing away at you as well like that. And I think when people think sports journalism in particular, I think a lot of the time they think the big events, the glamour. But so often it's making sure you've got the right scores in a rugby game. Um, because as Paul Herbert said, uh, you, you might get in. You might get threatened to get sued <laughs> by a parent if you get the wrong score in a school's rugby game in particular. Mm-hmm. Like so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to it that you don't see. It's a bit it's it's this the the, the classic, classic swan analogy. Like it looks beautiful and on the surface, but right below the water you're paddling frantically, you know. Um did you have a favorite sports journalist growing up? I did. Um, oh no! But... What did you do? <laughs> no, 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 no! I, I did, but uh, he turned out to be a pedophile and he's in jail now, or he's out of jail at this stage. So, oh, Jesus uh, Christ! Tom Humphreys. So that's why I was really careful about answering that question. Tom Humphreys, in terms of his, <laughs> because of what he did with Michelle Smith the Brune, yeah, um, and the fact that he went after her when everyone else was waving the tricolor and you know ignoring. An awful lot of questions that were coming from the world of swimming about Michelle Smith Broom and Tom Humphreys wrote, I thought, like some really compelling arguments on the other side of that discussion. Now it turned out he was an awful human being. And this goes back to, you know, when it goes back to the, uh, you know, for a very different reason, the Ronaldo conversation that we've had so many times in this podcast, like separating 
the footballer and in this case the writer from you know their crimes and things like that so but for me I never like I, I threw out his books that I owned I you know absolutely his crime was horrendous and you know he deserved to serve the time he served for it but it you saw the re- or you heard the reaction to my voice when you asked me who my favorite sports writer was going up yeah. you know there's a reason it's difficult to say but I can't there's nothing changing the truth he was and like it, the thing that I suppose what happens is uh, with with sports journalists is you and I see this and, and you know I see this really in particular with you McKenna say for example someone who you know many people call, call like a really straight talker and things like that now as far as I'm concerned McKenna's gone off the deep end he's you know some of his stuff around COVID and things like that is he's into the abyss yeah it's way off the reservation like it's way way off the reservation but you see what happens what happens with someone like him who I think pushed it too far the other side is he goes after your you know he if you're a if you're a soccer fan and he's going after rugby you think yeah go for it you and like yeah fuck those rugby guys like but then he goes after your sport or your team that you support yeah and it's like whoa whoa what are you doing like and I think that's where it it that kind of you have to straddle that um that line between like telling it like it is but actually not just being controversial for the sake of being controversial and that can be difficult sometimes like I mean that can be as someone who you know has very strong opinions on things you know sometimes I have to step back and think okay am I sharing this opinion because it's my opinion or am I sharing it because I hope that people might react to it and I think if you start pushing towards the reaction bit that's when you're in trouble because then you're not actually sharing your opinion you're trying to create content essentially and I think that's really bad you're being a bit of a bollocks really if you're going after that and I like I I love um things like the second captains I love the no dunks which are now part of the athletic and people always ask me like you know friends or family would talk about it and talk about the the BBC or whatever or different things that I've done and be like oh would you not want to do and I want to do that would you not like love to do that presenting like imagine you're presenting like something on Radio Ulster and all which would be amazing but there's far too many talented people ahead of me anyway I'd never get a chance but my answer is always no my dream would be for the football babble to be its own thing like and I use this all the time like the second captains is you know, when I, we were looking at we looked after ourselves then yeah. you know like an independent media small media company that was able to do five podcasts a week or how many and just run ourselves and cover all the sports that we could and have all these brilliant interviews that's that is the dream that is the ideal that i would have and i think like more people i get i get a lot of my sports news from my podcasts yeah. and i get a lot of my news now from podcasts that i'd listen to or whatever rather than watching because as i was talking to kelly kate with this the other day and the, the podcast that we shall never hear um st- like you, you can be so more relaxed i find people can be so more relaxed so more open on things like a podcast when it's not uh, attached to a, a massive media company there's no shackles on it then so you can get in d- deep into something in the conversation you can get an opinion across so I don't know, we were just chatting about it off air and I thought it'd be a good topic to delve into tonight because it's something we're both passionate about. It's something all five of us are passionate about sports media. And I think that's where I think that's what it is. It's just like I'm as I'm as into sports media as I am sports. 
Like I, I love reading like the best sports writing of, you know, the year or whatever publication and, you know, from Glenn Stout in the US and stuff like that. And the 42 did their own anthology of great sports writing and, and things like that. And I love, but I also love the kind of talking to sports journalists about the life that they have, like, um, because I think, you know, I, I like even something to me that I, I think we briefly spoke about this off air before as well. Like the idea of like the, you're on the whistle match report. That to me is some of the like the, the finest sports writing there is out there is a really, really good match report. And people say, well, how do you get it all in? So, so close to, you know, the, the final whistle or whatever like that. And the thing people, as you well know, like the secret to it is you write. 90% well maybe 75% of your match report at half time and you save the first four three to five paragraphs for what happened at the end or the main yeah. talking points in the game and you only write that after the final whistle and you know I I remember the first nobody told me that when I started in sports journalism no one nobody taught me that and I remember you know doing two or three match reports and going how the hell are people filing this so much quicker than I am like you know I was maybe 500 words into what should have been a 900 word piece. And I was seeing other publications with their match reports up. And then eventually dawned on me that as I was naturally, as I was writing the match report, I was leaving, I was starting with the most recent information and I was, you know, kind of talking about what happened in the first half towards the end of the thing. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, like, why don't I just write what happened in the first half at half time? and figure out where it goes in the story then at, at the full-time whistle and I remember the moment that I, I realized that that was the way to do it and I was like holy hell these, these pieces could be so much better now because I can add all the color I want at halftime because I've got loads of breathing space here to kind of add a, and just go with the, the news pyramid the news pyramid at the top which is who where what why and when which is what yeah. people want to know reading a match report uh, and you've the color then already done and and it, it just improved my my on the whistle kind of writing so much um and it's those little things that you only get like really from like studying it. it's a craft like anything else like much in the same way as being a really good podcaster or being a really good presenter like kelly gates you know it it's not something some people don't get me wrong some people are naturally talented at these things they absolutely are but most of us have to work really hard at it. Um, and what sounds natural and what sounds like something kind of off the cuff. I, it's funny, I, I was saying to, to to Phil before we started recording this, that like I always just assumed the Thursday Night Babble was kind of off the cuff until the first time I appeared on it. And I realized how much work Johnny had actually put into planning what we talk about. And it's like, but he, him and you made it sound so effortless. Like it's, it literally sounded like two lads having a conversation, which is for me, what I want a podcast, a sports podcast to be to yeah. with a knowledge of something, having a, a conversation, an interesting conversation about it. And that's like, some of it is natural, but some of it is work. And I think that's the reward is when the work you do sounds natural. I think that's when you know, okay, yeah, that's, I've got it now. Like you never, you never rest in your laurels, but it's a, it's a new base then at which to try and get to the next level. Yeah, it's it. I just we all just find it so easy. I think because you're just chatting to your mates, you know. But you're trying to, you're trying, and, and like one thing I I love about it too is we try not to, we're trying not to like 
bullshit. You know, and we're not afraid to say if something annoyed us. You know, either we're not afraid to stand up and say something or whatever. So, I think that's where you get it. And like on the match reports too, Jonathan Liu did one at Anfield. I think it was the four 0 the Barcelona game. Yeah, my Christ, uh, it's it's a worker. And and when you were talking about that, Wright Thompson as well. Yeah. Anytime a Wright Thompson piece drops, I know the McGregor one. All right, I know the McGregor one was massively fabricated in pieces. Right, I get that. A lot of people well, saying that. To be fair, of, it's it was still brilliant. Better. Yeah, it's aged better than a lot of people gave it credit for. <laughs> well, yeah, like he has turned out to be, you know, a very different character than maybe a lot of Irish sports fans in particular thought at the time. And mm. I will say something about that Roy Thompson piece. This is one of my favorite sports. I'm not going to name the sports journalist, right? I'm not going to. So, but I want to talk about this. It's one of my favorite memories. So, there's a well-known sports journalist in in our. He works for one of the bigger papers. And when the Roy Thompson McGregor piece first came out, he tweeted that it was one of the best pieces he's ever written, uh, or he'd ever read. And you know, the 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 great Roy Thompson has done it again and stuff like that. But about 15 minutes later, he started to figure out that, oh, the wind is blowing a very different direction on this Ray Thompson piece. So he deleted it and he tweeted that it was a nonsense. And, you know, someone like really poor from Ray Thompson, considering all the stuff, uh, he, all the great stuff he had written for before. And it's one of my biggest regrets is that that, that was my uh, my desktop picture on my 42 laptop where the two tweets cropped together. Because I had screen grabbed the, the first two tweets, and it 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 is with great regret that I have lost that I don't oh. have access to those to those tweets. I was about anymore. to tell you, text me the name on her here. I'll, I'll, I will never mention the name because I wouldn't do that, just so I can get a laugh. But I remember another prominent journalist, and we're not slanging anyone because we've never mentioned their names. Comment on this as well and say like um, a lot of bollocksology about American writers. When we've we've some of the best here in Ireland, as if it was like a crime. You're reading an American sports writer, uh, write about Conor McGregor. You know that kind of way. Like yeah, even in sports media, you get people that will be condescending cunts. Oh, said the c word in the podcast. Don't care. Um, do you know what I mean? I just find that I find the whole piece around that that whole right time. I find it really interesting how everyone reacted to that. Yeah. You know, I I, I just enjoyed it for what it was because it was Wright Thompson writing. And like, you know. there are certain like, and and like, I, 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 I've, yes. By the way, yes. Does it make sense now who it is? That's <laughs> who. Know? That's 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 who I was talking about too. Oh really? There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but like Paul Dollery and Gav Casey, say for example, with forty two, like Gav Casey. Really? I have said, oh. I'm on record of talking about this that Gav Casey could write about. He could write the instructions for how to put wallpaper on a wall and I'd read it. Yeah. He's naturally a gifted writer. And Roy Thompson is in the same boat. And it's that thing, it's appointment reading. Like uh, like the last Roy Thompson piece, I literally made myself a cup of coffee, found a quiet space in the house, <laughs> sat down with it. Like that's what it like that's the, the United piece. Yeah. Because that's what Roy Thompson does. Like I see a Roy Thompson piece and I go, yes, I am absolutely savoring this and it's the same way a uh, uh, Gav Casey piece to take it back to Irish sports media 
because like Gav Casey writes about boxing. I have little to no interest in boxing except when yes, the bandwagon yeah. comes around every four years for the Olympics, right? <laughs> very, very little interest in boxing. But I would read every single word of that because there's a turn of phrase here that I just go, fucking hell. Like I could write a thousand articles and I'd never come up with a turn of phrase like that. And that's what I, that's the kind of thing I love about, like, you know, really delving into sports journalism, like really getting into you know what like to me to me it's it's almost a visceral reaction to a piece like i'm not talking about like reporting reporting is a very different thing and there are some brilliant sports reporters out there you know who have their inside scoop or but they're not writers like the likes of roy thompson the likes of gav casey even the likes of like someone like bill barnwell they're writers and you enjoy their pieces for for the writing yeah. as much as you do anything you're actually learning from yeah like i i I, in the athletic i like simon hughes when he's covering liverpool because he's very very good and he gets it and rafa honigstein will write a brilliant piece and it was like a brilliant piece on ten hag this week which is really good interesting on ten hag at ajax and what he's been doing there but the right thompson piece in man united just to go back on it just to finish off that actually I read that word. I would read that. I'm going to read that tonight again. I read that word for word, and like everybody knows, it knows me. And uh, even one of our, I'm going for coffee with our beloved listener Rise on Saturday. She'd probably remind me of this. I despise Manchester United because they ruin my you ruin my childhood, yes. right? You ruin my childhood, Stephen. But that softened me for that whole piece. I was softened <laughs> in the that like thinking as a Man United uh, follower. Do you know? Do you know like. I was at uh, Old Trafford with right. I was in that pub with Wright Thompson. I was in that house hearing those stories, and I was just like, "This is absolutely." It was it was so weird to say it's about a, a written piece, but it was beautiful. Yeah. When when an article like I will try and read every night, and I try and read it every morning. Uh, I'm a tea bakes or whatever. I'll try and read something, even if it's two or three minutes, just to read because you always pick up knowledge. And reading is the greatest gift you'll give someone or a child. I think reading is one of the greatest gifts, and teach them to swim too. It's very important. Um, but like when a when a piece will when a written piece will take you away, like as in just like you said to me, poor coffee sat in a quiet room. I could the bombs could have been dropping off all around me when I read that piece. I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, I was so engrossed. And it was and it, it's that like, thing like it's it's. Do you know when you're watching a really good TV show and you know it's good because you haven't checked your phone in an hour? Like it's yeah. that kind of feeling. Wish you know but with writing instead it's that yeah. like you know oh it's suddenly 20 you, minutes or 30 minutes later than i thought it was you know do you miss writing do you miss writing on the 42 i like i do i do and i don't like i never enjoyed writing like i know like this is gonna sound so i'm sorry if i sound like a fucking wanker here right i know i was good <laughs> at it. like i know i was good at it. i know i had a style that people liked but I never actually like I never actually enjoyed writing for writing's sake, which is why I always did try to do different things with my writing, try to carve out a niche with it. Like, you know, that series I did where like I would take an absolutely unrelated topic at the start of an article. I mean, I'd be talking yeah. about something like, you know, uh, a wasp that, you know, uh, buries its children into the brain of an ant. And then <laughs> link that back. 
to the Jacksonville Jaguars at the end of the article. And it would absolutely make sense by the time I was finished the article. And that's what I loved doing was like, almost like you spin a wheel with random topics at one end, you find a sport or a team or a player at the other end. And the challenge, like what I enjoyed was the challenge of linking those two things together. Um, so it was more the the kind of the the craft of writing than writing I, I enjoyed. So that's what I, I, I still kind of miss that. Like it's still every now and again, I get, you know, I get an idea in my head and a figure. And I, do you know what? I still write them. And I, I just don't publish them anymore. Like there, there's so many, just countless, countless unpublished drafts in my medium profile. Um, yeah. Because the, the enjoyment was is out of crafting it. Like, um, like I remember doing one when Kobe died, and it was, it was around the idea of not knowing how to mark Kobe's death because of obviously the allegations that followed him through his careers his career but then what he did after and how much of a passionate supporter of women's basketball he he became and all of those different like contradictions that came with Kobe Bryant and I was just trying to make the point that well those contradictions are our own because so often we we ignore you know maybe something that's problematic with a player or with a team or whatever because it's it's the Newcastle fans right now it's the willing to ignore stuff because actually this other this the, the other thing that this team does or this player does brings me so much joy that I can forgive or not necessarily forgive but I can forget that really bad thing that they did or whatever and I wrote the piece and and I shared it with one or two people like as a draft or whatever and like the kind of consensus was like, this is really, really good, but this is going to be, people are going to see the headline and there are people are going to completely kind of misunderstand what you're trying to say here and you're going to, going to get slated for it. And like, part of me almost wanted to publish it more because of that. But ultimately, yeah. ultimately, I decided what I'd actually done was by actually just writing it and not publishing it, I'd achieved what I wanted to do. I wanted to get my my feelings i wanted an outlet for my feelings or my thoughts on it um and the way to be able to do that was just to write it nobody else needed to read it but by me being able to to write it i everything else that that kind of stemmed from that was already sated so i didn't need anyone to turn around and tell me oh yeah that's really good or oh that's that's terrible take or whatever like um but it's, yeah, it's a, it, 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 it's, it's a long way of saying I do and I don't. Like I have, a, I have ways of, of writing now, but it's very different because I, I, I long ago lost the need for kind of anyone to, to share my writing or to celebrate my writing or anything like that. So it's the actual writing itself that I now just, sometimes I just need to do and I'll do it and no one ever needs to know, like. Like a therapy type thing. Yeah, it kind of is. Like it, it, it kind of is. Um, I'm the same as you. Well, not talent wise, no. But I would write something down. I still would get an idea. I am the worst person in the world. Right? Not the worst person. When I drive to work and when I drive home from work, right? I will stick a podcast on. So my routine is: I'll, I'll drive home from work. Say I'll come out of work, ring Sarah for a minute 
tell Sarah and Finn love them same soon. Just to let them know I'm coming home, right? It's the thing I've been doing since Finn was born. The thing I've been doing since I've met Sarah, but since Finn's born, obviously. Then a, a podcast will come on the car, and I couldn't tell you what's on that podcast, really. Yeah. Because I'll talk to myself from I leave the 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 front yard of work till I get into the drive at home. And usually if we're doing a podcast, I'll talk through what, in my head, what I'm going to talk about in the podcast, the lads, and what I want the lad try and aim it certain directions with the lads or whatever. Or if it's, I'm not doing a podcast, just talk myself through what's going on. And in my head, I write, sometimes I write an article. Yeah. So like I'd write about like what that dad was going through before. I'd write about Liverpool. I'd write about um, the NBA. You know, different things like that, and um, baseball, and how, like you know, all different things come through my head. Even like certain politics aspects coming through. Whatever's in my head, I'll write it and I'll come home. But I never get to save it. Yeah. So it's like hundreds of these articles are in my head, and as soon as I come in through the front door at night time, Finn serves there, and bang, I've forgotten all about it, and then it's gone. Like I couldn't tell you what I was thinking about talking about on the way home the night. But I'll talk, apart from this, but I couldn't tell you about anything else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I think there's something there's something really kind of like beneficial about that kind of ephemeral moment where you have this really deep thought about something and then it's gone because I think that's that's done the job it's supposed to do. It's released yeah. those chemicals in your brain that's supposed to release. Yeah. Um so I think there's there's definitely a, a benefit to it. But I also think, you know, you know, people like people might make the argument about you know that well like if if you have these thoughts maybe share them so other people can can kind of who are going through something similar having having similar thoughts can read it and identify with those things and I think that's why you know most of the the writing I have published in the last kind of year 18 months have been around health or mental health especially like um because I think that's much more impactful than you know whether or not I thought Kobe Bryant was a good or bad person. Does that make sense? Like that, like there's, yeah. there's definitely times where, like the the post you you wrote about your dad, like that time, like I mean, that was, you know, it, it helped. It certainly helped me kind of get a sense of what it was like to be in your shoes. But also, I'd imagine it helped other people who were going through a similar situation go shit I'm not alone here I uh, there are other people going through this and then that's where I think writing can be so incredibly powerful and I think one of the things that really helps is how sport ties into that because sport is one of those bonding things like you and I our French a lot of our friendship is based around the fact that we support rival teams like and mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't weaken our friendship it doesn't make it any less worthy it, we didn't need even need like do you know what I mean like I it didn't matter like it's fun that you're a Liverpool fan I, I like for me personally I find that there's something hilarious with the fact that like as an adult the the the, the, the kind of three people in the last five years I have kind of become closest to in terms of new friends or whatever or all Liverpool fans like why am I doing this to myself at a time when United have never been worse like but it doesn't doesn't matter because it's sport like and you've an interest in basketball and football and all these other things like that you know that share that kind of because making friends is like making friends as an adult is hard that's what like everybody knows it is like you know I've recently discovered the you know the joys of like and I, I do mean joys because I've got to meet 
different people people I wouldn't normally talk to or engage with like you know at like birthday parties for my kids and things like that um because they're they're people from a world like you only share a common space because your kids happen to be the same age and go to the same school but you get talking to people who you know someone might be a photographer or or whatever the case may be and it's someone you would never normally engage with on a day-to-day basis but you find out that oh, I did a bit of sports photography in my day and I got over, I did a bit of sports writing in my day and all of a sudden we've got something in common. Yeah. Going back to the point like that is, so when you share experiences in a written form, what you find happens is it, it almost takes on a life of itself where, you know, someone reads it and they go, oh, I completely identify with this. I'm going to share this with five people. And of those five people, it might only resonate with one person, but that one person shares it with another 10 people. And, you know, it grows and becomes its own thing thing and can be really, really helpful for people. And, you know, it's sport is often referred to as like the the tie section uh, of a a newsroom, but it's so much more important than that. Like, it's so much more important than that. It's, I, 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 I will say this enough times, I, I, I get people that don't like sport that's fine you have your own niches but like sport has helped me so much you know sporting moments has, has, has given me so much when things haven't been amazing you know for my own mental health and i'm doing november for the first time and um, obviously um and it's it's massively for men's mental health which is so important everyone's mental health is important not just men's um but we were saying you were talking about your writing and how you'd write about health and trying to help people and mental health and like one of the things I want to write about, and it's a wee bit morbid though, is like, is like obviously my my dad's illness now. You know, I want, I would love to write about that, but I'd love to make it like a, a funnier piece because I know if he read it, then it might make him upset. But I think I've said this before, about Mark Chapman was talking about uh, when he when his wife was terminally ill, um, someone said to him, "You're not actually." Yeah, the way you look at it is you're grieving for someone who's still here. Yeah. And me and my mum had this conversation. Me and my mum, my mum is, I was telling Kelly Kates this in the podcast that we will never hear. Um, My mum's the boldest wet you'll ever meet in your life. If there's any anything to be bold at, she will find it. She's so mischievous, so mischievous. And for one of the first times ever in my whole life, and I'm 33 now, we had a... Uh, like an, an upsetting, serious conversation about dad. And I just asked her, how are you? Basically, we're in the car driving one day. How are you? And she says, well, weird. Like, you know, it's... And I was like, we're grieving. Dad's loss. And we're still looking at him. And she's like, yeah. Because it's such a strange... It's such a strange thing when someone in your life is... Obviously, when so, someone's terminally ill is a strange thing, naturally. But it's such a strange thing when they're still here. And you know they're going to be here for ages. But there's a clock on them. There's a clock yeah. on all of us, but there's a clock on them. It is... I I, I am... I, str- I do struggle with it. Uh, still, I will struggle with it because it's, I don't know how to compute it still. Do you know? It's such a weird, weird thing. And that's why, like, I will get so stupidly excited about Liverpool and different things. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll get mad about it. Like, he, he was texting me there as you were talking. He sent me a photo, my dad. As you were talking, and, I, and I'll read this out to these folks as well, just to, just to tell you how much, what he's like. I love love this photo. Just look at how high he is off the ground. Absolutely love him. It's Virgil van Dijk. 
<laughs> like I thought it was gonna be Finn or something or me, right? It's Virgil van Dijk la- last night against Atletico Madrid because he's off the ground and it says love him at the end. I was like, what? like, do you know what I mean? It's it's such a it's like it's it's a street. I, that's why I love when people write and like when you used to write and used to read it, there'd be a personal touch to it, which I loved. And like Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap, his pieces are unbelievable because he will ha- now he's he's mental and he's having me go off in quirks. But there'll be a personal touch. I love when a writer lets you in, you know, when a writer when a writer lets you in, or a podcaster or someone in the media they let you into their life. I think you you have me then you you've me caught. Whereas pardon me when it's, you know, we won't name them, but when certain journalists just re- regurgitate the same bollocks and it's. Too many stats and too many figures. Yeah. Nah, it's not like it's not for us. Sports writing, yeah, it's different than sports reporting, hundred percent, obviously. But um, I, I actually, you said it as well earlier. I think I actually am more addicted to sports media than I am to the actual sports. Yeah. Do you know their press box podcast on the Ringer with Brian Curtis? Yeah, you introduced me to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, like if there was one of those just for sports writing, I would be. I would. There isn't an amount of money I wouldn't pay. To listen to it, like honestly, well, you have planted a seed. <laughs> I, I like. I I just think the like uh, the forty two do do a and yes. uh, this is not an ad for the forty two. I promise you, but like it's a brilliant podcast. Yeah, they have a, a a sports writing podcast where they talk to sports writers. But what I mean is something that's like almost an overview of. Oh, here's. Here's a piece that we two two journalists or two experts who go. Here's a couple of pieces or three pieces that we really love this week. Dive into what was great about it, and then for one of the pieces, maybe make it the highlight and talk to the journalist in question about the piece. You know where it came from, how long they've been working on it, things like that. Like I don't know if you know Kate Rowan. Um, she's a journalist for Telegraph. Yeah. She's, Irish. she's Irish. She has done a phenomenal job around the idea of women in sport, but from a really kind of unique angle, like it was about, you know, the effects of menstruation and period on female athletes. And now she's got a series or started a series about the effect of the menopause. And you're just thinking, well, these are all things that affect, you know, women athletes are expected to train as hard and train as long as men for, for often for less money and have more shit to put up with than men do it's that old you know uh, uh, quote of it was a grace kelly that she had to do everything fred astaire did but backwards and in high heels like it's, <laughs> it's it, you know life is fundamentally fundamentally kind of weighted against women and kate Rowan has done a brilliant job of showing that like stuff you don't even think about like i watch i watch you know arsenal women because kate kate mccabe at the moment is like you know as i i text the group like probably the best player from the island of Ireland at the moment playing football Easily. And like, I never once think about the extra shit she has to deal with because she's a woman and that's my like that's my male privilege that if ever anyone ever asks you what male privilege is that's it right there we don't have to consider that you and I can go training if we decided that we were or not that if we decide if we were professional footballers we can train five days a week four weeks a month 12 months a year it's not the same for women. And yeah. I never thought about that until Kate Rowan, who has pioneered this kind of field of, of looking. And I'd love to know more about that. Like, I'd love to know more about actually, like, how did you get women to talk so openly about their health? Because, you know, you know, with all the vaccine stuff at the moment, people are really reluctant to open up about 
health matters and things like that. So I just think, you know, something like that. And and maybe, like, look, if I was the only listener to it, I would still, <laughs> still listen to it. Like, yeah. I, think I think it's something that would be really, really interesting because I think there's a lot of people would like to see behind the curtain of 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 what made like that John Lou piece. Do you know what I mean? Like that, like he explained kind of how that came about on the Four Two Sports Writing Podcast, and you know it when he kind of talked about it, it was like ah, oh, like it it doesn't take the magic away. It actually only adds to it. Like it really does right. only add to it. it that, that that's why that's why I knew so much about it and what, that piece and why. I was so fascinated with it, like, and I, and I, and off the back of that, I'll always read Jonathan Luna. Hmm. I think you should, always, anyone should read him uh, and like pay attention to what he writes because he, like, it's a work of art that he does and he produces. and And Kate Rowan is brilliant. There's, um, there is, um, ah, oh, what's the name of it? It's going out of my head. It'll come back to me anyway. But there's a couple of other brilliant brilliant pieces involving women's women's sport and it only focuses on women's sport which is amazing like the, the fact that we're at this stage now where it is coming we're getting more and more of it um people are paying attention to it rightly so as you said katie, katie mccabe is the finest irish footballer there is at the minute and she won i think she won player of the month and goal of the month yeah and um, then wsl like obviously just hit the microphone there we have katie taylor here as well up the katie's yeah uh the finest the finest fighter the island of Ireland will ever produce, will ever produce, was Katie Taylor, um, in my opinion anyway, um, not the the wannabe uh, your man from uh, Dublin, is he from Dublin 12, is that why he's called, is Whiskey's called 12? I don't know. Yeah, um, 12, yeah. Yeah, uh, but there is, like, and we're going off the tangent here in women's sport, and, and um, uh, we hadn't planned this, but, there is so much great and good around women's sport, and then you hear a lot of bollocks happening, like what happened to the women's rugby team, who were for a while like they were one of the flagship teams on the island, and then and and, and it's mad like I don't know if, if this is male privilege as well. But you just think then because they've had a good run that everything is still going well, you don't pay attention to it, and then you realise actually, hang on, what has been going on behind the scenes here, and what has happened. And it's falling apart now they're in a bad way and you think well how did that happen and then you and then you say to yourself well that definitely wouldn't happen if that was the men's team oh and that's that's that is the 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 the, the kind of ultimate like you just look at like even the way it's reported it's like whoa how did this happen and it's like well like you know the phone call was coming from in, inside the house because as a media a lot of media organizations have for too long ignored women's sport. And, you know, this whole thing of the, the whole campaign in, in Ireland certainly was, you know, can't be, can't see, can't be. The idea that if we reported on these things, if we put it on TV, then more girls would, you know, follow a sports path and eventually everything would improve. And we're seeing it now. Like we're absolutely seeing the benefit of all the coverage Um. Steph Roach got say when she was nominated for the Pushkas and stuff like that. You're seeing the players who were inspired to play football, the the girls who were inspired to play football now playing football and coming through at a very very high level. Like the Irish women's team had two, like they were very unlucky not to draw with Sweden, and then had a really good 
win away to Finland in their qualifiers recently. And like, I was on TV, it was on RTE and, you know, the times are still stupid. It's still like, you know, five o'clock in the evening or whatever, when you know the men's football wouldn't be on at that time. And I think like there's still a way to go, but we're getting so much better at it. And it's like, it's not just Kate Rowan. There's Kathleen McNamee as well, who I think yeah. has, just, has just launched, She, you know, with ESPN and things like that. She's just launched a new podcast with Off the Ball, which focuses exclusively on Irish women's soccer. And if you'd have told me that one of the largest sports media publications or broadcasters in Ireland would have a show dedicated just to Irish women's soccer. Even two years ago, I'd have said absolutely no way. So it's great. And, and you know, like, and the more the better. Like, the absolute more the better. And and I, I think you only have to look at, like, Johnny and Arsenal. And, you know, you know, there was a time this season where it looked like the women's team might give them much more joy than the men's team uh, would as well. And there's no reason why men and boys shouldn't be supporting the women's team. Like if, if that's the club you support, you should be supporting all of their teams. Yeah. Like there's this, this thing of, oh, the standard's not as good. And it's like, like, yeah, but the standard in the championship isn't as good as the standard in the Premier League. That's, that's why there's tears and segregation in football. You know, we know that that's why, we know it's not as good but it's going to get better and there's eventually going to be a time when people are going to sit down and not not notice the difference other than speed and power which obviously are physiological and can't be changed the skill level will eventually because so many women and girls are are, are sticking with the sport will eventually catch up it absolutely will um and it's not that far away it's like people talk about it as if there's a million miles in difference i can guarantee you now that if you put a women's Premier League team up against any League of Ireland or Irish League side, I know who's winning, and it's not the Irish, the Irish League or the the the, the Premier Irish Premier League side. It's the women because they're 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 professionally coached for a lot of cases, and um, they're full time professionals in some cases. It. I just think the standard and it's going to get even more obvious going forward as well. And and I hope it does. I think it's great to see because sport should be for everyone. Now, this goes back to the early point. The, the whole point of sport is it unifies people. Like that is the whole purpose of, of why we even, and it unifies people even who don't necessarily follow the same teams. It's the, that common thing, you know, like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth or I don't want to like, like, say something wrong so please correct me if I'm wrong here but you and your dad can talk about Liverpool but when you're talking about Liverpool you're not really talking about Liverpool what you're talking oh, about I... yeah what you're talking about is enjoying this time that you have together yeah. like that's what you're talking about but you're not because we're your men and that's what we do it's a different way of doing it like and there's I, I text you I'm like I, I hope you don't mind me me sharing this like I text you ahead. I text you the day of the, the Liverpool United game and I said to you, because I know what it would mean to you and your dad, I don't care about the result because it means nothing to me. There'll be more Manchester United matches, you know, hopefully many, many dozens more Manchester United matches and Liverpool matches for me. Like you, this time that you guys have together, who knows how many more there'll be. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I, because I know that I, I can't feel bad about a game of football because I know it means yeah. so much more to other people. 
And I think that's where where that's what's brilliant about sport. And when sports writing captures that, that's where it's just at its absolute peak. And some of the best uh, sports writing doesn't actually talk that much about the sport. <laughs> like it just talks about, and I think a sports experience, a sports feeling, can be better than what's actually you know the actual thing of the sport. Like which is. I, I, I think as well what's helped me too the like um, one of the topics me and Johnny were going to talk about tonight was what's your what's your sec what's your second favorite sport um so yours your well yours might actually be soccer because would yours be the NFL your favorite sport NFL sorry I was sipping a pint of Guinness there I am sorry um, <laughs> my my favorite sport is American football absolutely yeah, yeah you're right uh, soccer, soccer would be second yeah now, it wouldn't have always been that way like soccer dominant or football dominated for a long time and it, it's kind of only with like because like there was, I was at one stage employed as the only full-time English language American football journalist in all of Europe like that was something that I held like I was really passionate about and and really proud of and so football and that's still there like I still like most of the articles I read and podcasts I read would be around American football but soccer is mm. very very close second um, yeah. so for you I'm, I'm going to guess it's basketball, but yes. you listen. You listen and watch so many. Listen to and watch so many sports. It could have been anything really. <laughs> too too much. Um, mine mine is basketball, right? But one of the main reasons why I love the NBA is because of what happens away from the court. The NBA, in, in my opinion, is the greatest sports. I'm just going to count as a sport, right? On the planet, because of what happens, so much of what happens away from the court, and I'm talking about the media, I'm talking about stuff going on with trades, um, players and how players have so much personality, podcast, everything. It is so unbelievable at times. When it gets really going, it is unreal. That's why I think I've fallen in love with it as much as as much as I love the, the sport of basketball, and I do love the sport of basketball. I would. Like like after this podcast, I'll stick on no dunks from today because I haven't seen or heard it, and I'll um I'll watch it in the background while I'm editing this podcast. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because I just love what goes on. Whereas probably for you, American football is more into obviously your coach, the tactics and what goes on there. But for me, it's more like right. Well, is there an all caps out yet by Jason uh, Network? Uh, <laughs> Jason Inception at um was he's at Take Line now. Is there an all caps out yet so I can hear what's going on in the background? Because there is a, such a social thing to the NBA as well. Like you feel part of a community when you're part of an NBA when you're an NBA fan. That is exactly like that is what I love about American football is that like it's a community it, and it's a growing community, but it's still mm. a relatively small community. Um, and you kind of, I see, so I still like I'm 38 years of age. If I see someone walking down the streets street with a Raiders cap or a Raiders t-shirt, I kind of get excited because, Oh look, he's one of me. Like, you know, um, and a lot of the time they're just wearing the Raiders gear cause it's cool and they don't know anything about the sport, but that's fine as well. Like, because the reason I started supporting them was because the Raiders gear is really fucking cool. It is. Um, but they're, you're, you're dead right. It is that kind of idea of community. And like, I don't like the idea of tribes because I think tribes is 
has connotations around the idea of, of like fighting with other tribes and i don't i don't like that but there's definitely a sense of uh like uh, you know chatting to people about about a sport that you know not everyone is into or not everyone knows as much as you do about there's something there's something like that like just in the sports nerd part of your brain that really like enjoys that that really kicks that in or whatever like i would say like i'm just, I'm just thinking about like i would say i have maybe six different american football whatsapp groups and that's excluding all the the whatsapp groups i'm involved with, with the team i actually coach um, i know don't be giving away our april fools um <laughs> but yeah uh Bombs. try out this weekend sunday the 7th of november 11 a.m mm. in castle college please come down uh, <laughs> um but no i i just think that there's there's this like camaraderie i suppose is probably the right word isn't it like this idea mm. of like you know there are certain people there's probably four people if something big happens in the nba that i can text there's maybe 50 people if something big happens in the nfl that i'll text but if something happens in you know with man united like there's almost literally everyone in my phone you know that i would text about or whatever you, you know yeah. but that yeah. kind of idea of uh, of having those conversations and knowing who you can have those conversations with that's that's kind of cool and i think the thing about the second sport is like it you and i are probably i don't know if we're in the minority but like we have such a range of of sports that we watch like you watch more baseball than i do or whatever um it's just not a sport or you sorry you listen to more baseball than i watch or, or Mm-hmm. but like I, I i there was a time that like if there was two people playing tiddlywinks on t- television <laughs> i would have sat down and watched it i've kind of moved away from that as i got older but i still like i'll still sit down and i'll watch the darts if the you know if there's a golf major on i'll watch it like i just love the drama around sports and one of the things i always said taking this back to sports writing is there are no such thing as sports stories there's human to- stories and mm-hmm. the window or the lens we cho- choose to look at it or, or report on it is sport. But at the end of the day, it's a human story. Um, and we saw that this week in, you know, the NFL in particular, like Calvin Ridley, um, the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver uh, has been in and out of the team this season and no explanation for why he's been missing people assumed it was covid and he wasn't vaccinated and things like that and it turned out he's been struggling with his mental health and he said for the to look after himself and and he needed to take some time off and it was one of those things that like when was the last time you've heard a footballer and we all know like footballers you know who maybe aren't going through the best of times but they don't take the time off and they try and play through it and things like that like um, and it's just refreshing to see a sports person, you know, take that stand and say that their mental health would, is as important as their physical health. Um, and that does happen in America. And that's why I kind of like it. Like, I mean, now, you know, in with the Raiders, they've, they're the, the first openly gay player playing in the National Football League. There's these things that you don't, you still haven't seen in the Premier League and things like that, that kind of that's what kind of tips that over the line as my favorite sport, but also then, you know, this wasn't a particularly stellar week uh, for the NFL in terms of for, for very, 
different reasons, some tragic, some just absolutely fucking stupid. Um, so yeah, it's it's it feels like just one part of the the human tapestry and just a very kind of the sport is only a certain percentage of it the the human side of it the trades like you said the the bust ups between certain players or the beef between certain players like that's as much of it as the actual action on the court or on the field yeah uh 110% and i think a lot i think i think it has i think it has grown for both of us because it is so more accessible now rather than just having to sit up to two, three in the morning and watch it. You know, your sports, you, you can catch, like, the Athletic do a Daily Ding podcast now for the NBA and it has one of our one of our old guests, Andrew Slack from the Babble Screen, the OKC. Yeah, he, he hosts it. every He hosts the Thursday, the Wednesday and Thursday editions, I think he does. It's 15, 20 minutes roundup of what went on the night before so you, i can sit in the morning fired on as i'm making lunches or i'm sitting chilling with finn and i have it all in the background and then i'll catch it up you know it, it's so accessible now things have gotten like yeah i i'm i am more addicted to sports media than i am to sport i said earlier in the podcast which is a mad thing to even think of and say but it just is yeah. it's such a like even richard chambers one of the most well-known faces in ireland Brilliant uh, broadcaster with Virgin Media now is a humongous Knicks fan, humongous Knicks fan, and I, I'm, I like message him Bing Bong on Twitter and he messages back because of that Knicks video and he's like yeah. he'll talk to you about the Knicks and he'll talk, like I, my aim is to get him on we know we're going to try to get him on this podcast but um you know things like that that's where I, I talk about community and you said as well because if, if with with soccer and with soccer here. It's as you said, it's tribalism, and it's like if someone's wearing a certain jersey, you'll instantly be like, if someone's wearing a certain soccer jersey, you'll instantly be like, dick, or you know, which is stupid too, like especially when I'm 33. But still, um, whereas if so, if I saw someone like you said in a reach, if I saw someone in a in a Warriors, maybe not Warriors because that's your team and I hate them because you like them, but if I saw someone in a Jazz T-shirt. I'll tell you what actually happened. I, I was in H&M in Rushmere and Craig Avenue, the shopping centre, last, no, two Christmases ago, before COVID. And uh, it was like, a run up to Christmas, and I was in H&M, we are messing about. Sarah was uh, in the ladies' section, I was in the men's section, picking out a jumper, I think it was something. And this man was beside me, and he was wearing a Golden State uh, jersey underneath his uh, hoodie, and I had a vest underneath as well, obviously. And I was like, ah, oh, Warriors. He's like, yeah, and didn't get the man's name. Talk, talk for 15 minutes about basketball. Yeah. Whereas if he'd have been wearing um, an Everton jersey, a man United Man City, I'd have been like, dick. But he <laughs> went, he's obviously not a dick, but you know what I mean? And he probably yeah, thought yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. was the same. If I was in Liverpool top, like, oh, look that prick. But if I'd have been in, in a Bulls zip-up or something, I'd have been like, oh, NBA. And there is such a lovely community, I find, in American sports here in Ireland anyway. Where you can, you know, like just open up a wee bit more, and there is, it, you know, there's not a barrier then. So that's what that's why I love and love American sports because things like that. But yeah, I, I watch too much sports. It's probably the issue there too. Um, but I'm not gonna make make an apology for it. We were we haven't talked at all about football, and I, can I just touch on one bit of uh, news? Yes. It's not that Eddie Howe's gonna be Newcastle manager because Eddie Howe and that Bournemouth backroom team are a load of bollockses. 
But I just want I just wanted to touch base on did did you see did you see the glorious Reds, Stephen, qualify from the group of death with two games to go? I watched the first half and then for the second half I watched Matlock. Um <laughs> because it was so obvious how the, the whole thing was going to end. Um I would say it like that was one of the oddest games I've ever seen because Sadio Mane was very un, very lucky that he wasn't sent off for the crime of being kicked because every time he was kicked in that game, the referee decided it was his fault. And it was just the strangest, strangest refereeing performance I have ever seen. That's that's four games in a row now. We've played Atletico Madrid under Klopp that they've targeted Mane. What is it? Do they think he's going to retaliate? Because he hasn't. Has he? Like he hasn't actually. Like he's been very. He's been very close. He got took off at the Wanda last year or the last time in the in the knockout stages, uh, two years ago. He got took off because he was he was on the verge. He's already on a yellow, and he's on the verge of possibly overdoing it. And then last night he got took off at halftime again. And in the other two games, they still targeted him, but he ha- he didn't get a yellow himself, and he managed yeah. to be okay. But it's it's a tactic certainly that they seem to. I actually think he'd be unbelievable for Atletico Madrid because there is a wee nasty side to Mane and there is a fighter in him. Yeah. Um. But it was just I just was so obvious again what they were trying to do last night. I I I think that's um. Look, the red card absolutely killed it. That that was it. Game was over. Plus the fact that Porto and AC Milan had drew beforehand, which meant Liverpool could draw the game last night and still go through. So there's a bit of pressure off. Yeah. But the way Liverpool were able to rise to the shithousery by Atletico Madrid, which I have no problem with. I, me and you are two of the biggest shithouses you'll meet. So what we have no problem with that. I want Liverpool to be a bit more shithousey. Do you know? I think there is a need for that in sport in general. I think there is a need to sometimes be that shithouse to get things over the line. And that's why I have literally no problem with that. But I thought Liverpool were excellent when they, they rose to it. And they, they fought back a little bit. and I think it's one of those things where you're used to it now. Whereas if that yeah. was maybe Chelsea, and particularly how young the Chelsea team is in, in a lot of places, they maybe get riled up a bit more and react a bit more. So I think mm-hmm. it, I think Liverpool have dealt with the Atletico problem really, really well. Uh, but like the thing, the thing I can't get my head around is and it's not you it's 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 definitely not you it's other Liverpool fans like now hate Luis Suarez right yeah I understand this exactly the same person he was when he was playing for Liverpool like I don't understand like you know and like calling Simeone a wanker yeah Uh, let me tell you this now right Diego Simeone was Liverpool manager I would eat bricks for him I would eat Mortar for that man. He is a, like I. I didn't like that last night. I didn't like calling. It was funny the first do it, do it once, cool. But they're repeatedly doing it. I was like, what is going on here, Anfield? And the boon of Suarez. Suarez. For a while, people were talking about Suarez being our greatest ever player. A lot of even people that play players at the time. Stephen Gerrard said he's the best he's ever played with. People think people calling him just like Doug Leash up there with Doug Leash, whatever. And then because he's here with Letting Madrid, they're booing him. I was like, lads, I get it. Okay, in a semi-final, when there's so much pressure on a game, 
I I get if you know you boo or whatever for for a little bit, but last night I was like, come on, I actually wanted as well when he came off, like give him an ovation because for two or three years we adored this man, adored the ground he walked on. Yes, he walked off and he went to Barcelona. Whatever, that's football. That's you know, football's a business. But I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I agree with you there. I didn't get that at all last night. I didn't understand it. Um, give him a bit of shit, definitely, because he's an opposing player. But when he's coming off, give him a stand ovation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I, 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 I find that really, I find as well, some people on Twitter talking about it really, really strange. Like, it, like, I, I, I just didn't, I didn't get it myself. It was weird, but, um, but delighted for Liverpool to get, to get through the group and qualified with two games early, which means we can rest players now going into the tough sort of November, um, this December schedule in Bergamo on Tuesday night, though, Stephen, just to finish off, and we have to yeah. touch about it on it. Um, it was just a you know, I've heard a lot of podcasts say it as well, it's just a case of deja vu, <laughs> uh, all over again. It's like the same rinse and repeat, let's do it again. Yeah, I feel like I've watched that Manchester United performance like 20 times this season now at this stage. <laughs> um, like, how many worldies can you score <laughs> to, to keep, like, you know, getting some point? Like, they tro- scored three unbelievably good goals against Spurs, two really, really good goals <laughs> against Atlanta. And you're just going, like, you can't just be shite for 88 minutes and have two minutes in a game where you're really, really good. Um, I like. I actually think Atalanta were naive, I would have said, a little bit um, mm. in, in that game, particularly after the first game where they they had lost the lead and they led United to come back and win. Like To not be more like a let-it-go, to be more shit-housy, I, I just thought that was a bit... like. Just tactically naive, uh, and and it was strange to see. But like, I still still maintain that Ronaldo for all the goals he's getting, and like it's it's making my argument seem really hard to kind of defend. But I'm, I still think you take Ronaldo out of that team and you play Greenwood down the middle. There's more goals and better performances in this United team than they're getting at the moment, and. Sure, he might be one of the best finishers in the world, but I still think he's costing them more than he's adding to them. And you know, if if the the overreaction to the Spurs game on at the weekend, like thankfully was put back in its place. Um I think anyone who thought United have turned a corner clearly haven't been watching them. This year, because every like they've turned so many corner corners, they're they're spinning like at this stage, like they're just going around in circles. So, I, I think it 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 I think there's a massive potential that they get hockeyed by Man City at the weekend if they play like this again, because City looked fairly good against Bruges or Brugge. Why are we calling it Club Bruges Brugge now? Like when did that happen? By the way. I don't know. I, I actually can't believe you said it. <laughs> like, but the, the, it was all over the commentary last night on 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 Virgin. There just and it was the same the previous uh, round. Yeah, uh, Club Brugge, and I was like, no, it's fucking Bruges. The movie's called In Bruges. Yeah, you don't go to Brugge. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think they looked fairly ominous. The only thing I would say is Phil Foden 
shut the fuck up. Like, you know, <laughs> you had one good performance this year against the pensioner. Like, calm down. Like, you know, coming out and saying that, you know, Man City are going to ruin United Ragged or whatever it was he said. But yeah, I think, unfortunately, the rest of Man City might do that job. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I, part of me kind of hopes, not hopes they lose, but part of me won't be too upset because as, you know, regular listeners will know, Verizon's theory that if, if, you know, it lose, the Raiders win, um, and given the week that the Raiders had, uh, a win would not necessarily be expected, so it'd be nice as well. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, I, I just hope that this is Solskjaer's last game in charge, um, but I have a feeling it won't be. And on on that note, um, Stephen, I think we will we will leave it for there for Thursday night, Babel. Um, a, a, a seed has been planted, folks. That's all we'll say. A seed has been planted. So listeners of tonight's episode might be able to pick up on that. What's been planted. a seed has definitely been planted, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, thanks for us always listening and getting involved. We also had a question too. I meant to touch on. Do we think the Premier League has the four best managers now in the world in it? Um, we'll get more in depth on that sort of next week. I was trying Just to work out who the fourth was, but anyway, was, yeah, I'd agree they definitely have three of the top three. So who was the fourth? Conte. Oh, I had him in my top three. Are they including Guardiola in there? <laughs> yes, Stephen, they're absolutely. including. No, no, then no. Absolutely not. <laughs> right. manager. Jesus Christ! Right, we'll, we'll we'll park that and we'll talk about that on a, on Monday on Monday well Sunday night Monday show whatever um on the the Bible because we're going into an international break uh, and that'll be a good topic for us to get into so thank you for saying us that and don't worry we will touch on that so folks catch all of our podcasts on and any of your podcast apps just look for the football babble um get us on instagram and twitter at the football babble and i don't know can you do the patreon link because I, I don't I, I have no idea what the patreon link is uh um, patreon forward slash football babble uh, that, that sounds like what it is thanks to everyone that signed up to our patreon uh we'll update a little bit better going forward but thank you everyone that listens to it and, and tuned on to our patreon and, and contributes we really appreciate it if you can contribute as well one pound a month then that'd be amazing And folks, uh, we'll see you again at the weekend. Enjoy the rest of the football and good luck.